Are you looking for a new podcast? Make sure to check out our offerings from WBGO Studios, Jazz United, The Checkout, Sports Jam, and The Great Wealth Divide. More information at wbgo.org slash studios and subscribe to these shows wherever you get your podcasts. Poet, activist, and author Maya Angelou once said, if you're going to leave a legacy, make a mark on the world that can't be erased. This is the watchman, Greg Bryant, and we're going to examine the legacy and contributions of a living master of hip hop, producer, MC, and DJ Large Professor as our guest on today's episode of Let Me Tell You About It from WBGO Studios. Welcome back to our conversation series and podcast, Let Me Tell You About It, where we dialogue with musicians and contributors to the musical community about aspects of the human condition surrounding their contribution. And I've been thinking about the aspect of legacy quite a bit as we roll into a new year here. Most of the time when I've thought about legacy in the past, it's been a historical aspect, something of legend. I know Miles Davis uh, was famous for saying, you know, don't call me a legend, just call me Miles Davis. He was an active contributor. It wasn't just about what he'd be leaving behind. It was about what he was doing in the moment, how he was mastering the moment. And that's kind of how I'm coming around to view legacy. We build it one day at a time. When I first came into the knowledge of hip hop music in the mid to late 80s, it certainly marked a watershed musically for me in a long continuum of black American music that I was already familiar with. But it was exciting. It was fresh. It was new. It was innovative. Uh, One of the things that made it great for me was that indirectly hip hop exposed folks in my generation to some pretty deep records by storied musicians of the past, uh, by virtue of sampling, using pieces of classic records in a modern context to make an entirely new song, an entirely new music bed. After I'd been listening for a few years, uh, one album that caught my ear uh, around 1990 was called Breaking Adams from a group Main Source. And that group's leading proponent was our guest today, Large Professor. Not only was LP, Large Professor, the group's MC, but he was responsible for the sound of the band. He wrote the rhymes, but he also produced the instrumentals for the group's music. Songs such as Just Hanging Out, A friendly game of baseball and looking at the front door would blend disparate sounds from jazz, reggae, deep soul, and he would combine these genres into these head nodding anthems that were always precise, always grooving. On that same album, Breaking Adams, was another cut called Live at the Barbecue. It was a stripped down, bare bones production whose first verse featured the initial recorded appearance of multi-platinum artist Nas. Nas and Large Professor's chemistry was instant, and it was further realized on Nas's first full-length debut album, Illmatic, that's now a classic. Subsequently, Large Professor's profile as a solo artist and producer has grown to include work with A Tribe Called Quest, The Beastie Boys, Common, Public Enemy and Busta Rhymes. 
He's an architect of the hip hop sound of black American music. And it was really a thrill to get a chance to talk with him about touchstones in his ongoing legacy that he's building in a very unique way with a wide myriad and tapestry of sounds. Here's our conversation with Large Professor on Let Me Tell You About It from WBGO Studios. Yeah. This year has turned over uh, to 2022. I've been thinking about legacy a lot, you know, and what it means to build a legacy, even, you know, day by day. And when we think about, you know, the elements in, in hip hop, you know, MCing, you know, DJing, production, you know, dancing, graffiti, man, you are like the embodiment of that. You know, as you were, you know, a little kid growing up in New York, which one of those elements captured you first like a lot of people i went through the same kind of flow of events at first it was break dancing then kind of graffiti i mean music was always a part so i guess that we will you know circle back to the music but like break dancing graffiti MCing. after a while you know once i heard slick rick i wanted to start writing rhymes just everything, you know, that's just what we did in the city. It was just a little hobby, little thing that we did that kept us occupied and, you know, not getting in trouble. You know, so much was going on in the world that we weren't involved with. It was like, ah, oh, nah, I could tell you if you ill on the mic or if you whack and break dancing or whatever, like that was our thing finally. And, you know, I was just one of the kids in New York that went, went along and went through that. I remember when I first heard you, I was probably about 10 years old in Nashville, Tennessee. The track that hit me the hardest, even as a 10-year-old kid, was, was looking out the front door. And of course, I was too young to really know, you know, the mechanics of, you know, uh, a love affair gone awry. But um, <laughs> that, that, that music really spoke to me because I was hearing things in my parents' record collection Reimagine in this really hip way that was speaking to me as a really, really young person. And your friends don't understand your choice of man. They speak proper while my speech is from a garbage can. But regardless, you shouldn't have to be so raw. I'm looking at the front door. And that period, man, 89, 1990, 1991, in my opinion, is really crucial and critical. And the first question I have about that period is especially with you establishing your legacy and your sound, did the technology improvement have anything to do with you getting out what was in your head? In the beginning, it was kind of just a drum machine. We had the Lin drum. They, they all had stock sounds in them, but the origins of hip hop was guys playing records in the park. So these drum machines, they were making records with the drum machines but it wasn't the actual essence that we were getting from the park. So when 89, 88, 89 came around and now samplers were introduced, prior to that, guys were making pause tapes. They take the record, tape a part of the record, and then spin it back, take the same part to elongate that part of the record, like how the DJs did in the park. But now with the introduction of samplers, you have where you can actually capture that sound 
program it in the drum machine and press play and it will loop on its own. So now you didn't have to keep spinning the record back and taping it and spinning, you know, that kind of thing. So now we were closer to the essence of what we were getting in the park where dudes were spinning back dance to the drummer's beat. Now we could just process it in this drum machine and it would loop for as long as you had that play button pressed. Now we're venturing into jazz, which everybody did in the parks anyway. They were venturing, you would hear Mr. Magic by Grover Washington, somebody cutting that up and things like that. So now as we are like, all right, cool. We want to be original in some sort of way. So now we digging for other type of jazz records and jazz records that we haven't heard in the parks and things like that. Like, all right, I can flip this right here. I can flip this and no one's ever heard this. So this will be my originality. I'll be introducing this record, you know, kind of thing. So the samplers, the technology of samplers, it gave street dudes like a, an, an original, I don't know, like you, you could really like make your mark, just put it out there to the world. Like, yo, this is, this is my style or this is my sound through these records and sampler. Man, I love that explanation. Those other elements in your studio there with you, those turntables. Yeah, the turntables. Yeah. Been to a LP party or and if they yeah. haven't had that luxury, uh, can go on Instagram and see you get yeah. busy being able to find your sound in those other records. And I think that's really critical. Do you have to kind of, let's pretend you've got two copies of uh, a record that's got Idris Muhammad as the drummer, let's just say. Do you have to catch Idris's cadence? I mean, that, that, that some people have tried, like you have, uh, what's my man's name from the meters? Uh, so, you know, with his style of drumming, I heard a lot of guys trying to cop, like copy it and flip it themselves like that. So in some instances, yes. But for the most part, no. You know, you, you, you wouldn't try to do it like Idris did it. You would try to make it your own style and maybe even flip it illa, you know, because it's electronic. It's not actually human you know, kind of drumming. So, yeah, I mean, there's two ways to go about it. I know in the past that I've tried to program like how Joe Malice, like how he played the drums, like definitely. So, you know, sometimes you, sometimes you adapt, sometimes not. I think about another uh, song on that Breaking Adams record from 91 that you guys did um, with, with Main Source, uh, Just Hanging Out. song i think about sometimes the style within a style like you've got okay this west coast haze with this east coast sensibility it's like a, a record for for everybody and i think about that too sometimes in jazz where you've got east coast is this blazing swinging you know hell for leather kind of style and then the west coast sometimes um is maybe a little more laid back basically just the sounds that come together it's, it's like, ah, this goes good. Like Sister Nancy, you know, it was just her birthday the other day. Like, boom, like, yo, this goes with that. And now she's a Jamaican, you know, she's reggae artist. 
And then you have Gwen McRae, which is a soul artist from down in Florida. And then you have, you know, the drums, which people still don't know. So I'm not going to let those out. But, you know, you got a lot of elements in there that are just taken from everywhere to make this nice vibe and people appreciate it. You know, it's like a one of one. It's like like an NFT kind of thing through music. It's like, yo, you took this, that, 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 and made this. That's incredible, man. Like, yeah, nah, it's it's, it's just getting the, the sounds, the sounds, yeah, that go together. I feel that. I would be remiss if I did not ask you about Live at the Barbecue. I know you've answered questions about that record, you know, 30 years now, but man, as a posse cut, you know, and for those that may be listening to us later, you know, a, a, a hip hop song that's got, you know, MCs with a common ethos. We'll just give it that definition. For, right. for um, I know you listen to styles of, of the MCs, but again, when you have people with styles as diverse as yourself versus Nas versus Akinelli, um, is there a common lingo or a common sound that you say, hey, man, this kind of beat right here, this is universal to all of us? That Live at the Barbecue is bare bones. So normally when you just have drums, a bunch of people rhyme over just the drums kind of thing. It was like bare bones. It wasn't all the bass lines and everything like that. It was just drums and a quick little interlude and the, like a little hook interlude kind of baseline in the middle but um and that's just where you get loose it's almost like breaking where once those drums come on you know the break dancer gotta do his thing right there once those drums so it's kind of like taking that kind of you know style where it's like all right the drums yeah them drums man like yo all right cool who's next and then it's, as long as the flow and the rhymes connect you know it's it's because you'll let anyone take a try at it, but especially with recording, you know, when we freestyling, it's something different, but with recording, you let anyone take a try and it just so happened, everybody connected on that one. So everyone stayed, but there have been times where it's like, nah, we're not going to use that person's verse or whatever, but just that time, everyone's, everyone connected, correct. Right. Check me out, y'all. Nasty knives in your area About to cause mass hysteria Your work on Illmatic, you know, Nas's, you know, breakout album that, again, is in many people's, you know, top five, top three albums of all time, you know, in any genre. I'm looking at you guys more like, almost like a super band. Were you guys kind of talking or influencing each other during the making of that session? How did that go down? Yeah, I mean, it... And hip hop, it changed a lot, man. Like it was like it was making beats. Dudes were making beats. So it was like, yo, he got hot beats. Let me go see him. He got hot beats. Let me go see him. It was all brand new, like for everything, for the industry, everything. Like, like you said, you know, one, you would have Creed Taylor or whoever, like produced old Alan Toussaint, something like that. But hip hop changed everything, man. It was like, yo, I could get a beat from him. I could get a beat, you know, and just kind of showing the industry, like how everybody can mesh and like, oh man, like, yo, this, it's not about the producers on this one. It's about the lyricists on this one. You know, some albums, it is about the producer 
and the lyricist. You know, some like the producer may be stronger, but for Elmatic, it was just everyone kind of gathering around Nas and like complimenting what he needed. And he went to the best guys at that time. And, and it, yeah, it came out nice, man. It came out nice for that time, definitely. Absolutely. Man, do you think anything of that nature, um, naturally you all, all of you all are household names now. Um, do you ever think anything of that nature could happen again? Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It may be a different collection or a different like sequence of what it is. I always think about how, though, like how it would be. I myself, I can't think of it right now, but I know definitely like it, it could it could happen again. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's around a drummer. Well, I mean, I'm and I'm just sitting back and waiting. Like with Nas, I played my part because he was such a phenomenon. We put in a lot of work prior to Illmatic. So it was like, oh man, this is actually happening. And it's his, we used to do this thing. He's the man, he's the man. Like we doing this, he's the man thing. And it wound up being Nas really. You know, for a second it was me, it was main source. And then it wound up being not. So how it's going to happen, I can't say, but it definitely is going to happen a lot more, a lot more, definitely. And I think about, again, how I'll use the word often used organic, uh, that Mm. that record sounds. I think about, you know, some of the source material that you guys were using, but how you were chopping, how you were reamassing the sound sources, you know, it, it sounds like a living, breathing kind of organism rather than something being, you know, in the can or something that would sound kind of dated. Right. But is there anything <laughs> that 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 you would drop on them knowledge wise to how to help your sound to be uh, rugged enough for the genre, but breathing, living? Well, that breathing and living comes from interacting with other artists always, you know, when you get into that pool and you like seeing this guy's doing that, that's what kind of Illmatic was. It was like, you know, I was hanging out with Pete, hanging out with Q-Tip and all of us were kind of just in the same pool. And it was like, wow, like, yo. And that's what I think created the breath with, with Nas was and, and the code. The, I mean, it, because we had all had different sounds, but there was a cohesiveness there that was like, oh, wow, like, yo, this goes back to back kind of thing. Like, so just get together with different artists. And and you see it all the time where different, like, they come up in generations. It's, it's funny because you, you don't, like how Nas and AZ came up together. And it was like, wow, like, these guys are, and somehow, some way, they got together and they, formed a new generation, which Mob D and everybody else kind of like, but those guys spearheaded that whole new kind of style of rap. And, um, yo, it's just a matter of just dudes like going to whether it's a spot, you know, it may be a club. It may be how those guys used to get together. It was funny because when, um, <laughs> this is crazy. With phones, like when the phones, you, you can start having like a, what is it, a two-way calling. And so like dudes used to actually get on the phone, not even knowing each other and two-way calling like, yo, I got rhymes. Then that person would two-way call another person. and two. So now you got like maybe six people on the phone 
Some of them don't even know each other, but they saying rhymes to each other on the phone. You know, it's like, yo, that's nice, man. Yo, you you want yo, you want be there. You know, everyone looking for a deal at the time. The internet is doing that mm. anyway. Like it's naturally happening. You got dudes on SoundCloud, MixCloud, all these different little crevices that people are able to create revenue and I mean, you know, you just apply that that hunger to it and you can be set apart from the rest. You know, like you see dudes, I've seen dudes become stars off of social media just because their hunger just, and their wit, you know, to come, ah, right, you know, I'm going to do it like this this time. Like even me, like it's like you apply your mind to it and you can still be in the pool, but you still set apart a little bit from everyone else. So... I think everything's going to come from the internet. Like, I'm, it's, it's amazing how many people I know from overseas. And I mean, it's just really made the world a smaller place. You know, uh, Macedonia, all types of people and places. And, and I realized that it's like we're all a generation. Like, the guy that would have came out when Main Source came out, like, he's still doing his thing. But well, he's been over there, and now I'm learning about him. He may know about me. I'm learning about – I'm like, man, this coach has been over here too, and he's a legend over here though, like that kind of thing. So I think the internet is the key. Is like just, you know, and, and when you get on your craft and stay on your craft and master your craft, like that's, that's really the thing. Definitely the internet has a, a big thing to do with it, but there's still a little, a little smidgen of the industry – that they are kind of trying to pass down to this one and that one where, you know, the record industry, the old record industry, I'm saying, you know, where mm -hmm. these guys and girls have kind of made a name for themselves. And so people are still checking for them to the extent that they can introduce someone new. And it just became for hip hop, which was the youngest genre coming up, you know, the youngest genre maybe now, you know, they are all these subgenres of hip hop now, trill, drill, and, you know, trap and all of that kind of stuff. But hip hop in general, you know, it just got infested with all of the money driven, you know, kind of thing. So there, there's still a lot of that involved with just who has the money they're going to listen to and things like that. But the real talent always shines through in the end anyway, you know, so like a combination of industry and and internet you know that's like dudes are able to co-sign someone see a lot of internet but it's just all a matter of dudes really staying you know people staying on a job and creating that buzz a lot of people i think are now hip that they have this outlet which uh, artists like me would i would have loved to have the internet back in the 90s. I would have loved, like, oh, I can promote myself. So a lot of these new artists are kind of getting hit, like, yo, I got an outlet. All right, let me sharpen up. Let me, you know, get this right, get that right, and put it out there. So, you know, combination of, you know, but definitely the internet is the lead right now. Like, you can present yourself in a certain, and technology, definitely technology. If you keep a hand on technology, keep your mind on, where technology is going, you can definitely, you know, shine out here. When you dig for, for records, do you have a method to what you go after, you know, for your collection? I've, in the past, going through phases, 
Uh, now I'm just listening. I mean, because now we have portables, we can go in and actually listen to the, listen to the records. So I'm just listening for a sound now, like just a, a sound of a record. And it doesn't even need to be something that I'm sampling. It, it could be something that just the album sounds good. Like when I found the Tom Scott, just that album sounded good. The Honeysuckle uh, Breeze, it just sounded good. It was like, oh man, this is a good album. You know, like playing A&R a little bit, you know, like, man, why wasn't this a hit? Why wasn't this record a hit kind of thing? Um, so that's that's where I'm at now. But yeah, in the past, I've looked up credits, like if this person was on it, like a, a lot of times, if I see Monk Higgins produce something, it's like an automatic grab, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, you go through phases, you go through phases with it. Mm -hmm. You know, I've gone through a lot of phases with what makes a record, you know, copable. Yeah, yeah. Man, Monk Higgins, like uh, my dad had uh, the Three Sounds Elegant Soul record. And man, that's yeah. that's that's yeah. one of my <laughs> desert. I just island. found a Jimmy McCracklin that oh, he word. produced. Jimmy McCracklin, and I'm listening to the record. I didn't read the, the notes. I just grabbed the record because it was a good price. Mm -hmm. And um, so I just threw it on and listened. And I'm like, man, this sounds like Monk Higgins produced this. And sure enough, when I looked at it, it was Monk Higgins. Yeah. And so that's when you know when you got that kind of signature where it's like, man, dude, like you got a sound that people, you know, like the meters. You can hear like, hold on, this sounds like the meters, like on Dr. John or something with the style of drumming. That's dope. Yeah, that's dope. Still, still listening, still learning. As we think about, you know, legacy and going forward, you know, in 2022 and beyond, any kind of, uh, you know, projects in general, you know, that you're working on that, that you hope to, to realize? A lot of the stuff I was doing earlier was affected by the industry. When I, I, I love it still, I, I love it, but I wish I wasn't so affected by the industry. So that's definitely one thing. Uh, I mean, coming from hip hop, it was a certain way, like park jams and things like that. It was a certain way, like if you were whack, you was getting called out. Like if break dancing, if you were whack, you was getting called out or things like that. And so the industry kind of let and kind of produced, let a lot of BS slide and and just started going for like, and I, you know, I learned my lesson. You know, that's how the industry works. You know, they they they're gonna let this pop thing go through, and it's like, man, that's not and but represented as hip hop. You know, and you're like, man, that ain't that's not what we're doing out in the streets. And but the industry is what it is. But um, yeah, I got a few uh, projects coming out. I have right now a joint called Extra Exotic with my man Nick the Exotic that we just put out. It's kind of nice. Just continuing the culture of like that original recipe hip hop, you know, that rugged sound that we always loved from back in the days from the park jams, just that the rugged snares and drum patterns and, and things like that. Like, and then after that, I have a project of Beats Volume 3. I have, uh, well, this will be, a, yeah, this will be the third one. So Beats Volume 3 is coming out. So it's just a couple of random beats putting down for the people. I'm noticing like a lot of the new generations, like skateboarders, 
and just people just randomly like picking up on it and they they kind of loving it. Sometimes the words could get in the way. So it's good to just throw some beats out there here and there. And just all kinds of random productions always. I always have working with uh, Jay Sinai, my man Royal Wattage, bunch of people, bunch of people. Yeah, that was a fun conversation with the large professor here on Let Me Tell You About It from WBGO Studios. Again, make sure that you check out uh, Large Professor's latest Extra Exotic with MC Neek the Exotic and the forthcoming Instrumentals album Beats Volume 3. I'm definitely going to be checking that one out as well. Two names that came up in that conversation, though, in the persons of drummer Idris Muhammad and producer Monk Higgins, we're going to talk about in our next segment our album recommendations for you. We like to call it The Vinyl Word. Drop a needle on the record, please. Records was sold to the Transamerica Corporation in 1967, artists were under more pressure to deliver hits. Songs that would do well at AM and FM radio and on the jukeboxes as well. To that end, the parent corporation brought in more arrangers and producers to collaborate with the artists on the sessions. One of those arrangers was a gentleman by the name of Monk Higgins. He was a saxophonist, originally from Arkansas, and had some moderate success on his own with instrumental hits and collaborations with the likes of The Shy Lights, Muddy Waters, and many others. Monk found his way to Los Angeles in the late 1960s, and one of his key collaborations for the Blue Note label as a ranger was on sessions for pianist Gene Harris and his group, The Three Sounds. But Higgins doesn't use the additional ornamentation to squeeze out or quench the groove that was Gene Harris and his bassist and drummer, Andy Simpkins and Carl Burnett. No, they're here in full fashion. Check out this track called Sittin' Duck. At the time of its 1968 release, it was far less than a commercial success. But what this album has done over the years is gained a cult following all on its own. It's been highly sought after among hip hop producers. There's holes in the music that make it the perfect palette for sampling. Elegant Soul has popped up in the work of producers such as Pete Rock, Mad Lib, and many more. Another key element around this time were the contributions from drummer Idris Muhammad. He lent his masterful backbeats, most notably to saxophonist Lou Donaldson's 1968 smash Alligator Boogaloo. But another album that's been reissued on the Blue Note classic vinyl series is organist Reuben Wilson's 1969 classic Love Bug that features Idris Muhammad on drums, 
along with Grant Green's guitar, Lee Morgan's trumpet, and George Coleman's saxophone in an all-star super grooving quintet. Organist Reuben Wilson on this album examines pop tunes of that day, like I'm Gonna Make You Love Me and a version of Burt Backrack's I Say a Little Prayer for You. But in the hands of this uh, Cracker Jack Quintet, the emphasis is on making these tunes their own. They put such a personal stamp on the material that you hear across these grooves. Check out Reuben Wilson's Love Bug from 1969, now reissued as part of the Blue Note Classic Vinyl Series. And yes, indeed, check out Elegant Soul, reissued by Blue Note Records from pianist Gene Harris and the Three Sounds. We're talking about these two albums today on The Vinyl Word. Thank you, thank you for checking us out again here on Let Me Tell You About It. Be sure to subscribe to us if you haven't already and leave us a great review. It helps with visibility and the like on the different uh, podcast apps and outlets, if you will. Um, If you want to reach out to me directly, you can do that via Instagram or on Twitter. My handle on both is GB underscore Watchman. That's GB underscore Watchman. Let me tell you about it is co-produced by yours truly, Greg Bryant and WBGO's Billy Robinson. Our theme song and interstitial music is composed by No Stress. Find out more about No Stress at no-stress.me. This is Let Me Tell You About It. Make sure to check out our other shows at wbgo.org studios. And we'll see you again really soon next time. Take care. This has been a WBGO Studios production. To learn more about WBGO Studios award-winning podcasts, special concerts, live streams, and more, visit wbgo.org/studios.